And if you would please open to Acts chapter 4. This morning we're looking at the next passage in chapter 4, which is verses 23 to 31. What we looked at last week is that persecution was introduced to the church, and that persecution uh, didn't come from people who were denying God, God's existence. They thought they were very religious. The persecution began with people who thought they were doing God's work. And sadly, throughout church history, we find that uh, the persecution that first happens to Christians comes from people who think they're Christians. It's a very odd thing, but that, that is a reality. But when, when this persecution happened, and Peter and John, in their boldness, standing before the ruling council of the Jews, they were there to give more proclamation to, one, the life of Jesus, and the death of Jesus, and the resurrection of Jesus. That really is. We prayed last week for an opportunity to share the gospel. Anybody have that opportunity this week? All right, we're going to ask for it this week again. We're going to ask again. We're going to keep on asking. we We want to share the gospel, just like Peter and John did. And what we're going to ask for today, we see that the believers, when they got together and prayed, what happened? They were bold. The boldness that the Sanhedrin, the ruling council, saw in Peter and John, that boldness was then distributed to all of the disciples. And they all spoke the word of God with boldness. So that's what we want to happen today. Amen? We want to see, we want to see boldness come in us by the power of the Spirit. Let's look at verse 23. When they were released, that's Peter and John, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why did the Gentiles rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. For truly in this city they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal. And signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Lord, I ask that you would give the answer to our prayers. As you gave these early disciples the answer to their prayers. They prayed for boldness. They were given boldness. God, would you answer our prayer for boldness as well? In Jesus' name, amen. We love for things to stay comfortable in our lives, don't we? I do. I'm, I'm like right up there. I love things to be easy. I want, them to be, I want them to be quick. I want to be free. And I want everything to just be relaxing. And we will go out of our ways many times to avoid conflict. We will go out of our way to avoid pain of any kind. But we often, 
And in those moments, whatever we're dealing with, we will retreat. When we're experiencing pain, when we're experiencing maybe affliction or stress, we will retreat. I just need some alone time. I need some me time. I just need to be away from people. I just need to... And sometimes that can be healthy, but other times it can be used as an excuse to not do the work that God wants us to do to really capture what he's doing and going after in our own hearts. Persecution causes stress and persecution causes pain. And we learn from these early disciples that they had a proper response to their situation of persecution. They first, they gathered together, but what did they do? They went to God. They went to God to ask him to continue his mission through them. We read in Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, that the disciples who have conquered, they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they loved not their lives even unto death. We see that in these early disciples. They didn't love their comfort. They didn't even love their own lives. When compared to Christ, they just wanted Jesus to be everything. They wanted him to be preeminent. So we also must be on guard to not love our comfortable lives more than the mission of Jesus of going all over the earth and particularly using us to do that. See, there was no retreat into hiding because the mission got difficult. These early disciples recognized that the mission was worthy of everything they were about. It was worthy of their lives because they saw Jesus and they saw him alive and they knew everybody needs to know this. So what is their responses? One, they gathered together. First response is they gathered. Here, Peter and John, they went to their friends. Who'd they go to? They went to the church. They went to the church and they told them what happened. Now, they had a spiritual family that they had begun to rely on. And don't we see so, many, so often in our own natural families that when we gather with our spiritual family, our natural family on this earth has some weirdnesses about it? Like, what, why, why do you hang out with those people from church so often? Why, why do you do that? And why? It's because we have a spiritual family that what, where encouragement and support really happens. Because when we go to unbelievers with the issues of our lives, whether it's uh, the stress of persecution or just the affliction of walking through life in broken bodies, in broken relationships, God advancing his kingdom through us, when we go to people who don't know the mission of God, what is their response? Their encouragement is escape, retreat, get off that train. But God's the one saying, no, there's a mission that's glorious and it's got a reward in heaven and eternity. So our spiritual family, our faith family, is where we find the encouragement and the support to keep going. And then what, the next thing they did was they prayed. I love this. They lifted their voices to God because they knew he's the only one that can answer. He's the only one there who would hear and who would be faithful to respond. And this goes all the way back. These early disciples knew their scriptures. And I wonder if they were thinking exactly of Deuteronomy 4, verse 7. For what great nation is there that has a God so near to it as the Lord our God is to us whenever we call upon him? Moses said that to the people of Israel. Uh, on the, the eve of their approach into the promised land, he says, you're going to go into a land, they got plenty of gods, but none of those gods hear. None of those gods respond. 
We have the one that hears and responds whenever we call on him. Now, whether we're calling on him in pain or in praise, he hears every time we call on him. So we learn in the midst of what's happening in our lives, we don't retreat from God. We go to God. Well, one, we don't retreat from the people of God either. We gather. We invest in the relationships that God has for us in our spiritual family. And then we lift our voices to him. These, and they started their prayer recognizing God's power. Addressing him as sovereign Lord. See, God's sovereignty, it gives sanity to stay in the game of the mission of Jesus. Because church, if God is not sovereign, and he's not in control of everything, and I mean everything, no matter how we might describe that control, that was part of our lively discussion Wednesday night in the men's meeting, because we were talking about what does God's sovereignty and human responsibility look like? What does this mean? Yeah, we, we need to talk about those things. We need to think through them, even though we might not get uh, exact clarity on how these exist together. It's, it's good to talk about them because we recognize that God is sovereign. If he's not in control, then it's insanity to follow him because nothing is dependable. There's no security even in how we live and then it puts all the pressure on us to be able to perform for God. And that's not how he comes after us. If God's not in control, we have no confidence in anything we do or any reason to continue through our afflictions and our trials. But when we look to his sovereignty, it gives us a ballast to be able to center us to say, okay, God, you're in control. So I've got to trust you're bringing good out of this situation. And that's Romans 8.28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose God uses means that we would never choose for ourselves sometimes he uses means that we wouldn't even give to our enemies some of those means are physical ailments chronic pain and illness some some are the sinful actions of people in our lives believers and unbelievers where we just can't, we don't feel like we can escape the trial or the affliction ever. If God's not in control of that, we're going to go crazy. But knowing that he is sovereign over all, he is superintending even, even over, this is, he, he's superintending over people's actions. Look at verse 28, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. So he uses the actions of sinful people with evil intent in their hearts to bring about a good for the purpose of his kingdom advancement. And what we have to trust is this. This is hard. That God, the the advancing of God's kingdom in and through my life is more important to God than my comfort level. That rubs me the wrong way particularly because I love ease. I I want babies to cry. I want everything to, I don't want to have pain. I don't have to take Advil anymore. don't want to have to do that anymore. That's coming a day where we're not going to have to 
take the meds. But today, what's more important to us? What's more important to God? Because look here, the end of verse 28, in Romans 8, 28, for those who are called according to his purpose. He has a purpose for every single one of us that we are walking out. Not to contend with control with him, but to submit and surrender to his control, understanding that God, even though life feels miserable right now, I'm trusting in your purpose. Why? Why can we do that? Because Jesus lived the life all of us were supposed to live. And he died our death in our place, a death every single one of us deserved to die. And he was raised from the dead and lives forevermore. And he simply says to us, trust me, and that resurrection life will be in you. And it's in us by the power of the Spirit. So we can walk with a confidence that there's a newness of life that we can experience. Even though day after day brings the same reminder of the affliction or the same reminder of the trial or the same reminder of the stress in relationships or finances, even though every morning is that reminder, we can still say through God's sovereignty, nope, there's joy and it's going to come in the morning. Even if it's tomorrow morning, i got to wait. If I have to wait, then I know there's going to be another morning. And that, that this is going to, the morning, crying morning is going to end and there will be joy when that sun rises. We don't know which sunrise that will come with, but we know it's coming, amen? amen. We know it's coming. And that's what we trust the Lord. We trust his sovereignty. And I love how these early believers were soaked in the scriptures and their prayers then are informed by the scriptures. They quote Psalm 2. When they say, why do the Gentiles rage and the people, people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves, the rulers gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed. What they're recognizing is God ha- has always, the kingdom of God has always had opposition, has always had enemies. But they look to God's word to give understanding to their present situation. So looking back, helps to understand today, which gets us to look for tomorrow. And it all comes grounded in the scriptures and soaked in the scriptures. Opposition will always be present to the kingdom of God. So our prayers need to be informed by the scriptures so we also can understand how our prayers can align with God's will, not our own. And I love this. They desired mission over comfort. Their, the desire for mission supersedes their comfort desire. They didn't pray for the persecution to stop. They didn't pray for their enemies to be judged. They didn't call down fire on the Sanhedrin. Obviously, these people don't know you. God judged them. They didn't do that. They said, opposition's always going to be there. What did they do? God Keep your mission going forward. And God, use us so that mission can go forward. It is, it's uncomfortable to keep going in the mission of God when we're confused. And it's uncomfortable to continue in the mission of God when we are frustrated, especially when it feels as if God is silent. And the reality is, church, sometimes God is not answering us. That happens. There are seasons. That's why the prophets say, the heavens are brass. 
I pray and I acknowledge, but there's no response, it feels like. What are we going to do in that moment? Retreat or trust a sovereign Lord who's doing something maybe that we cannot see and bringing about something that time will reveal? See, the believers, these early believers saw God's mission fulfilled in Jesus, even with the evil players that were a part of it, that killed him. And this is not, this is also not a fatalism to where it's like, well, God's going to do whatever he's going to do, and we're just going to have to live with it, so let's just go. It's not that. God doesn't want us to be fatalists like that. He wants us to be involved. And so there are times when prayer, we own something in prayer, and God does something in response to our prayers. Do we convince him to do something or has he already given us the desire that we pray? I think both. He just wants us to play a part so we can be bold in our prayers even. This is not uh, um, the story I just thought of, a missionary, uh, John Patton to the New Hebrides, the present-day Vanuatu Islands. He was on the island of Tana for four years and it was, he was trying to reach the tribe's people there who were cannibals, and they had threatened him over and over again that they would kill him and eat him. He's on an island, not many places to go, and things after that four years came to a head, and he actually climbed a tree and (laughs) spent the night in a tree, so then in the morning light he could see where the water was and be able to get on a canoe and just go to another island. And he said this, I believe God, he is sovereign over all things, but I'm not a fatalist. I'm not, he didn't, he didn't camp on the ground. He was wise enough to say, I'm going to get away from these guys. I'm going to climb into a tree and take a nap for the night. But he was able to sleep. He was able to think about his God. So we participate. And, and that's a mystery. God uses our participation. And, and I heard a missionary that we went to Mexico with for so many years. He used to say this that has stuck with me. May, may God do things because of, because of us, not in spite of us. Ah, it's always hung with me because I want to be cooperative and I want to do God's things, God's way. I want to lean into him and, and God, that he would do things because of us, because of our obedience, because of our surrender, because of our boldness, because of the courage that we have in Christ and also by his spirit. See, God uses, he uses means that we wouldn't use, but he also does things to bring about his plan and his mission by means that seem backward to us. By means that seem, how could that ever work, God? Habakkuk told God that. He said, I look around, I don't see you. I see people hating you. God, how, how will you come after your people and how in the world are you going to use me to bring that about? And here's what God says. Look among the nations in Habakkuk 1, verse 5. Look among the nations and see. Well, I, first of all, I love Habakkuk. It says, Habakkuk's complaint. And then God answers. And then Habakkuk's second complaint. And then God answers. We can bring our complaints to the Lord. <laughs> Here God says, look among the nations and see. Wonder and be astounded. For I am doing a work in your days that if you that you would not believe if told. 
See, we are on a need-to-know basis with God. And most of the time, we don't need to know what he's doing. Now, he, he goes right after this in verse 6. He starts explaining to Habakkuk what he's getting ready to do. See the Chaldeans over there? That the Syri- I, I am raising them up to come and judge my people because of their faithlessness. Doesn't seem to change Habakkuk's mind. He didn't believe him. Oh, come on. Because he has a second complaint. All right. And, and, uh, that's, I got another complaint, God. Look, even if God told us what he was doing, we don't have faith in that moment to believe that that, or to see how it would come about. God simply says, trust me, I am doing a work in your days that you would not even believe if I told you. He just says, trust me. So there is a response to gather with God's people and there's the response of bringing everything to God and then here's the response. It really is not, they're not responding in boldness, they're receiving the boldness to go respond in boldness. This is not a self-derived passion that was worked up because they had a good pep rally and there was a good drum solo. Like, all right, I'm ready now. Let's go. Let's do this. That's not where this came from. This was a filling of the Spirit that brought this response. And again, this is not a repeat of the day of Pentecost. This isn't a baptism. This is a filling. And we see the differences in the New Testament. The the day of Pentecost was the baptism that comes with our trust in Christ for salvation. When When we trust Him for salvation, we believe the Lord, the Holy Spirit, fills us in fullness. But there's an experience of that that can be an occurring, reoccurring experience that we say is filling. And we see that in Ephesians chapter 5. When the Apostle Paul says, Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. We are commanded to be filled with the Spirit. And so that looks like in moments when you just don't know what's going on and confusion and frustration, those are the moments when we need to say, Lord, will you fill me with your Spirit? We want to be filled with the Spirit when we are proclaiming the words of the gospel to somebody, a loved one, somebody in our lives. We want to do that. But you know what we also want? We want the Holy Spirit's filling in the things that seem ordinary and mundane. That's where we need His touch, right? That's where we need freshness and vitality and living waters to touch those things. So we don't, we don't keep living the same way, expecting a different result. We have the filling, the, the living waters welling up from within inside of us. And I love this. I, I hope the Lord gives me a moment. That's my grandson preaching with me back there. Always pause for the grandchildren. When they prayed, verse 31, I hope the Lord grants me this experience, this side of heaven, because I, I have always been intrigued by this. The place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit, continued to speak the word of God with boldness. What's boldness look like for us as a church? Being obedient. Being obedient when we want things to be easy and comfortable. Just being obedient to God's mission and understanding that our greatest good is, is enraptured and collected up in God-glorifying Jesus. 
And God glorifying Jesus comes in ways through our lives that we would never choose maybe and never, maybe never understand until heaven. And when we get to heaven, we don't care anymore because we're with Jesus. I don't care about not knowing. I just, God, I want to be used right now. So boldness for us looks like, yeah, Lord, anoint us to be able to proclaim your word and share the gospel. But Lord, will will your boldness show up in my love for people? Will your boldness show up in my joy? Will your boldness show up in my surrender and submission to you? Will your boldness show up when, when, I, when you put somebody on my heart from the church within, our, within the week? Will you put a boldness in me to reach out to that person? That's where we are, right? Let's, we, can do, we can do the steps that are right in front of us. And we can do those faithfully. And look, this is not, we're not looking for artificial means to escape discomfort, we want to be filled with the Spirit as we keep going. Keep going. Look, your steps might be short. They might be slow. Some you might be just feeling a fresh motivation and you're, you feel like your strides within the faith are long. Wherever you are in that, let's keep going. Let's keep going and expecting expecting God to still show up with signs and wonders. He's not finished, y'all. He's not finished. And that's what they prayed for. While you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed in the name of your holy servant, Jesus. We simply want to exalt Jesus and watch what God does. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, how good you are, how wonderful is your word. How wonderful is the stirring that happens when we hear your word, uh, the faith that comes with preaching. God, I pray that this would not spiritually go in one ear and out the other, but it would have lasting effect upon our hearts. God, I pray now that we would recognize maybe a path that we have walked through or are presently walking through in our lives that we just simply are confused by. God, why? Do you have this happening right now? Whether it's a full-fledged onslaught from the devil himself or just the chronic selfishness that happens, we bump up against God. Why don't we have relief now? That's what we ask for. God, it's in that moment that we say, we trust you, Lord. We trust you. I pray that we would surrender. I pray we would have boldness to submit and boldness to experience your joy, boldness to share the reason for the hope that is in us. God, we are, we are thankful you've called us to your mission. We ask that you would fulfill your mission because of us, because of our obedience, because of our surrender. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Be looking to share the gospel with somebody this week. We want that. Let's remind ourselves of our commission. All authority was given to Jesus. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He told his disciples, he tells us, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Amen. Amen. God bless us. See you at the Hans for our pool party and baptism.